0: This podcast is a B Side Collections production. Fertility Ain't Fair. That's right. So let's talk about it. Real, raw, unfiltered, with me, your friend in fertility. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Fertility Ain't Fair. I am your host, Britt, and yes. I'm excited to have you pop in with us today. If you are new, welcome to our community. Welcome to our space. I know it can take a lot to, you know, sit down or press play um, when there's so many, you know, things that you can be listening to right now. And so I'm happy to have you as part of this Fertility Ain't Fair community of just resources and education and just venting and being there for one another, no matter where you are on your journey, or if you are just a supporter or a friend or family, whatever it is, you are welcome in this space. Um, Real quick, we are a community that is here to normalize the conversations around infertility, reproductive health, and also parenthood for all and however it looks and however you get there. So... If you don't already follow us on social media, please do so at Fertility Ain't Fair. Check out our website at FertilityAintFair.com and just enjoy this space and make sure to let comment and share. Um, and if you are returning, well, hey, welcome back. I'm glad to have you. So on this episode, you've realized that the title is It's Already done period and our guest Penelope McCown she never wavered in her faith when it came to knowing that in whatever time it would come that she was going to you know bring life into this world and she absolutely has been able to do that however it was a long road to get there. Um, She's a dedicated wife, a mother to their miracle daughter, um, who's now a toddler. And she has also started her own high-end luxury brand of infant and toddler products and apparel dedicated to the celebration of the uniqueness of African-American infants and toddlers. And that is called Coco Baby Love LLC, which is live. Go check her out. We'll get into all those details. Um, But yeah, I mean, Penelope got to that space After a long road, um, you know, multiple tests, different diagnoses, ultimately getting diagnosed with unexplained infertility. And she will talk about how that felt and still feels to this day um, and how frustrating that can be. They then went to three rounds of IVF including a failed round, a devastating miscarriage, and then the miracle of their daughter. Um, But we know those things take a physical, emotional, spiritual, financial toll on life itself. And so she's going to talk about how she remained faithful um, and dedicated as a woman of faith to just really knowing that it was going to happen for her. Um, And she also mentions that when Michelle Obama came out, right, and she talked about her struggles with infertility, that was a breakthrough for her. Um, and she has this quote, which I love from Michelle Obama, that says, your story is what you have, what you will always have. It is something to own. So in this episode of Fertility Fair, we are going to let Penelope tell and own her story. So let's hop in. All right. Well, um, we are going to welcome Miss Penelope, boss babe, boss mom into Fertility Ain't Fair. Come on in.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Trying out some sound effects. We don't get that right. Um, move, move,
1: move, yes, I love it. love it.
0: Thank you so much for agreeing to hop in with Fertility Ain't Fair. Um, we are excited to hear your story and for you to give us some words of wisdom and I'm sure some good encouragement um, yes. as we are all at different, you know, of course, stages mm-hmm. phases of our journeys. Um, and so, you have already made your transition from infertility to fertility. Mm-hmm. To um, mm-hmm. And so that's super exciting. So we'll get into all of your boss moves. Coco, if you love, <laughs> we'll talk about your amazing two year old, but let's just start from the top. Uh, okay. How do you define yourself? What is a word or a number of words or phrases that you would use to describe who you are?
1: Yes. Yeah, so first, I would have to say I am above all resilient. Mm. You know, through this whole process, it's, it's really tough. You know, as many of you know, this is really, really hard. And while many times you feel like it can break you, I didn't let it break me. You know, mm-hmm. I really it was able to just keep going and just realize that there, 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 there will be success in the end. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I may fuss about it or complain <laughs> about it, but I'm going to be resilient. I'm going to be able to really just fight through the situation. So that's the first thing. Um, I'm really good also at just being able to adapt. You know, whatever the situation is or whatever is going uh, going on in my life, I really try to, number one, take it in, Mm -hmm. but really make the best of it. And this is the the perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with the IVF journey being so painful, I was able to turn my pain into a passion, yeah. and to me, that's you know being able to adapt. So, you know, my pain was the miscarriage. My pain was, you know, being a, then being unable to conceive again. Um, then, my passion, of course, became shedding light on this topic. My passion became being able to celebrate my daughter and being a mom and and other children. So, I think that's definitely something that um, that I'm able that I possess, which is, you know, a plus. I feel. Also, I would have to say I'm um, persevering, which kind of wraps around in mm-hmm. the in the resiliency mm-hmm. and all that. Like I'm going to just keep going. I, sometimes I feel like I can just be relentless and just annoying to everybody around me, you know, but I, you know, I really feel like if it's in my control, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that, you know, made this journey so hard because it was not in my control. Right. And I'm and I'm used to being persevering and just getting it done. But this one thing I just could not do. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I was able to still press on. And lastly, you know, even though it's kind of cliche, I really think I'm a very kind and empathetic person, you know? Yeah. Everybody, you know, everybody likes to say that about themselves. But I really feel that I am—I'm very kind and and very loving. And you know, if I care about someone or, or about something, I'm really gonna just ride hard for them and just do all I can and mm-hmm. and to protect them and then be there for be there for them. So. That was a few words about me in a nutshell. Look,
0: (laughs) that's a a few words. Strong words, powerful words. Yes. Um, And I think those, I mean, those four words are words that we all in this journey hope to be able to achieve on some level because they're Mm -hmm. necessary to survive it. Um, Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that. Yes. So let's go back in time. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's Go back to before infertility was even a part of your life,
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: before your diagnosis, Mm -hmm. what were your plans or what were your thoughts, um, you know, with with starting a family or, or what are the things that you envisioned for, you know, your family and with your husband? What did that look like before infertility became a part of your life?
1: Well, you know, let me just start from the beginning. So, I think I I went to a little bit like I I really tried to just persevere and just make it happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I plan everything out in my life. So this was nothing different. You know, we plan to, um, get married and then we plan to first spend a year, um, just enjoying being married Mm -hmm. and being spontaneous and, and just Uh, loving married life. And at the time I was in nurse practitioner school. So I was going to graduate the year after. So within that first year, we want to just enjoy married life. And then the plan was to um, uh, get, uh, get through that. And then get pregnant it wasn't even uh we're going to try it was just we're going to get pregnant so that is what that looked like for us Mm -hmm. it was very planned it was very organized we knew that you know we wanted several children and that was just that was just going to be it you know there was no no other talk about it Mm -hmm. but that's just totally you know not what happened at all, you know it uh twenty fourteen trying to get pregnant, then turn into twenty fifteen and then the years after that, and then nothing happening and it was it was definitely not the journey that we envisioned and and did not line up at all with our expectations, but I think that's you know a part of life I realize now, yeah. but what we you know planned and expected was nothing like ended up being <laughs> so that was a, a real, a real big uh, eye opener and awakening for us.
0: So let's go to then, obviously you start trying naturally. So at one, yes. what point in time were you referred to, or did you say, Hey, I need to see a specialist. How far into that, you know, trying naturally, did you move over into the fertility space?
1: Yes. I'm so glad you asked. So for me, it was, it was such a, a different story than um some women who um you know experience infertility a lot of women once they realize they have a problem and not and I, not even in the african american community because we do struggle with that but like i would say maybe caucasian women um you know if they feel like they have a problem they will they're quick to see fertility specialists but not not myself right and again it had a lot to do with the fact that number one, my own biases uh, about the process. And number two, I didn't want to do all that. (laughs) I was like, no, I can do all that. And number three, I never, I never thought I I, I would have the problem. I really didn't think I needed to do it because I'm in control, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever, whatever you know, I I try to do it, it's going to happen, but that's not the case. So what we ended up doing, we ended up trying naturally for some time, just at home, you know, and when I say at home, I mean, not going to the doctor, haven't gone to the doctor yet, other than, you know, my yearly exam. So, you know, we tried for, for several months and and then, then nothing. And then we went to, um, to, uh, my OBGYN because at the time I was, Thirty, about thirty-two or thirty-three, and then it's so funny because then I'm like, well, I'm getting older now, (laughs) but here at at forty, I'm like, okay, well, I really thirty-two is is thirty-three is young, especially. In terms of people having children later in life, but mm-hmm. that was neither here nor there. So, I I tried it home for several months before going we to the doctor because I felt at the time and just having the knowledge of the healthcare knowledge, I knew I shouldn't have shouldn't wait too too long. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because when I w- went to the OB-GYN, um he was like, "Okay, well, you know, you're you're over thirty, or you know." 33 I think you know we should at this point try to give you some eight, you know fertility aids so I was, I was like, okay well I'm open to that so we ended up doing a uh, clomid and so yeah. with clomid um that you're only supposed to take it for like a few months and then after yes. a few months with time mm-hmm. ovulation if it doesn't work you're supposed to move on mm-hmm. so I'm like okay well this is it this is it right here yes this mm-hmm. is my answer this is this is going to work right so for several months, that's what we did. Um, I took the fertility medications. I timed my ovulation. I said, okay, I know I'm ovulated. We did what we we're supposed to do and nothing. Month after month after month, nothing. I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is, maybe some, you know, I don't know. What's, this is a little weird. So then at the end of the predicted time, I went back to the doctor. He was like, okay, well, we've tried this. Um, you you're not pregnant. I think you should see a fertility specialist. I'm like, well, wait, wait a minute. Wait, it's only been a few months. Hold <laughs> on, I don't, don't right. want to do all that yet. I'm like, you know, and sometimes I'm convincing him. I'm like, sometimes it takes some women to get pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, you know, okay, Miss McCann, I, you all know, if you just okay, fine. Here we we can keep trying. So. Did it again, month after month after month. Turns into next year. Kept going over and over. You know, Because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't accept the fact that this was not working. Right. Um, And, you know, and, and while doing that, of course, I'm doing everything else. I'm, you know, doing all the teas. I'm doing all the supplements. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. doing anything that I can, you know, find online. I mean, I'll spare you all the details, but everything I heard worked, you know, everything that can help. I tried, we tried all of that. You know, looking back, some things sound just very bizarre, yeah. but I was so desperate. to I get it. To try. I get it. I get it. I, get it. I tried. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the turning point for me was when I had heard about this crazy wives tale that I went. So I went to a doctor. This was a different OBGYN. My current one was out for the day. I went to a different OBGYN and she was an African-American female. So I told her what I had heard. And um, and she, you know, she looked at me. And she was like, "Miss McCown, it doesn't take all this to get pregnant." <laughs> I was like, "You know what? You're right. It it it, it doesn't. <laughs> it, it it really doesn't." So, I think I just needed to hear from mm-hmm. an another African American female, mm-hmm. and finally, I was like, "Okay." I I give in I'll go and see what they're talking about so it really wasn't until that we really tried everything and just you know getting a a word from someone who I can relate to yeah I think that's when it finally resonated to me that we gotta we 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 need help Mm -hmm. so that was the turning point for me so it it took several years um which looking back I know it doesn't take that long Mm -hmm. um and so I, I don't think I would have done it any differently because I really wanted to give myself a fair chance. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, was, it took several years, but finally I was convinced um, to go. And so I'm glad I did, but that's what it, it took a lot for me to, to go
0: though. But like you said, it it, it takes a lot. It's, it's hearing it from somebody else. It's mm-hmm. wrapping your brain around the fact that, okay, I don't want to accept, as you mentioned, that it's not happening the way I thought it always would. Or you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's um, I, I heard someone um, recently say it was the death of expectations. Yes. It was the death of um, mm-hmm. my body functioning the way mm-hmm. that i always told it should. Mm-hmm. And that takes, it can take everyone a different amount of time as you mentioned to Absolutely. Except the fact that, okay, it may not look the way I always thought it would.
1: Mhm-, that is so true, and that was so hard for me, I think too, because i everything in my life was so planned and everything I was able to achieve, but this here is just was not in my control and it was just Mm -hmm. crushing. Not only, you know, I couldn't do anything about it, but just the fact that my body was, was, was failing, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, you know, and I really, you know, just, I, I I felt like I went into like a big picture about it. I'm my, my whole thing was, you know, this is what God said I'm supposed to do. You know, I felt like I was supposed to, I'm supposed to be able to create. I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to be able to bear children. So I really went deeper with it. And I think that, you know, that really bothered me the most. Mm -hmm. And I really, it really affected my, my true identity because I felt like I was put on this earth to be a mother. Yes. And, you know, although, you know, some people don't feel that way, that's what I felt like Mm -hmm. my purpose Mm -hmm. was. And to not be able to do that, that was just, just crushing. So
0: yeah. Yeah. Completely. Mm -hmm. I'm in the same boat. And I I feel because I also feel that, you know, from the beginning of my life, I've always been maternal. I've always wanted to. And as you mentioned, it was just what you were you thought you were supposed to be able to do and that that feeling of failing. Mm -hmm. It's one of the hardest things to overcome. Um, You know, you can overcome the pain. You can overcome the needles. You can overcome Mm -hmm. relentless testing. But feeling Mm -hmm. as if your body is failing you in a way that it's supposed to naturally function is so hard. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've had to, you know, wrap my brain around and accept, but also with my husband. And so Mm -hmm. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but to you and your husband. Mm -hmm. Because of course, this is happening, not just to you, Um, right? It's happening to you all together. Um, Mm -hmm. And so what was his reaction when all of this started to happen? And you get into the infertility space? How was Mm -hmm. he you know, how did you all support one another? And how mm-hmm. did that develop? Because that's a mm-hmm. large change in a in a marriage when it comes unexpectedly, as most of mm-hmm. the time it does.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you're you're so you're so right in that. It's just it, it can really affect a marriage. Number one, and it, can, it And for us. We had um we had been we had been married for a few years when all this started. And I saw then that he was just the biggest support for me. Mm-hmm. Because as you know, some men, you know, um are not could be not very supportive just because of their own expectations. Mm-hmm. And my husband was he says he's very calm anyway. And, you know, when I was frantic about all of it, that he was able to be, to remain calm. And I think that's really important, um, to have a talk really, um, prior to marriage for me, uh, looking back, you know, what if we can't have children, you know, I think that's an important thing to, to ask yourself or, or your potential mate, because you may be faced with that number one, Mm -hmm. but, um, also he didn't he, when when i would really you know, talk down about myself, mm-hmm. or really be negative, or a really look at look at this, it, this is a bleak future. He would encourage me, and just encourage me to keep going, and just know that this is, you know, not God. What God has for us, but it was really challenging because by the time we in, had embarked on our journey, the biggest decision we had made was where <laughs> where we we're going to have our wedding. You know, it wasn't, <laughs> right? It, it, it wasn't like serious stuff and then we got to serious stuff mm-hmm. i mean the first thing was like okay number one are we going to well, he was okay with going to see an infertility doctor but once he learned the cost he was like uh-uh, <laughs> we're not even doing that <laughs> it was like nope mm-mm, nope i mean but that was then now you know with more education and knowledge we know mm-hmm. now there's more uh, w- ways to to ob- obtain ivf without um the huge cost right. but um That was the first thing, deciding whether or not even to do IVF, number one. Uh, And then once we had embarked on the process... Um, We then had to decide, you know, how many eggs we were going to implant. Then we had to decide, you know, if we're going to implant a boy or girl. You know, it was Mm -hmm. so many things that occurred along the way that, you know, could have really, you know, torn us apart. But I think that, you know, with going through all of these difficult times and big decisions, it actually was, was able to bring us together. So I think that really helped when, when some people it would bring you apart, but we were able to, um, you know, come together on it. And we definitely prayed together about it. Mm -hmm. We, we had the same, um, same, you know, ideas and beliefs. And I think that kind of held us together as well, um, throughout this process. So yeah. And he just was a really, really a big support. So I really, really appreciate that.
0: Shout but out to all of the amazing support thing. Okay, because <laughs> yes, like you yes. said, not not everyone um is able to accept that. Not everyone is able to to be that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there have been mm-hmm. of, unfortunately couples who you know we've heard about or you know mm-hmm. who, who are not able to maintain a marriage.
1: Um, yeah,
0: you know that's really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, it is. You know, it's like it's a huge, as you mentioned, a huge um thing in a marriage. I mean it's it's not yeah. a small decision to do all these things. And it's also even if you moved in other directions, whether it's adoption or seriously or whatever it is, those are huge life mm-hmm. decisions and everyone right. is able to adapt and accept as their new life. Um
1: and, and you know I think too I'm sorry. I think too, that you have to be okay with Maybe if you don't have children, I mean, I was not okay with that, Right. but I had a, I had a spouse that was, mm-hmm. and I think that goes back to. You know, the expectations, you know, I think that's important to discuss that in the beginning. Yeah. But you don't think like that. You know, right. you wouldn't think you would have a problem. But I think it's important, you know, for any couple uh, or, or any a woman now, maybe she's single or, mm-hmm. or married, to have the conversation now. Like, you know, are you are we OK if we don't have children? Mm-hmm. You know, because that will determine that will, I think, determine uh, maybe his support. Or, or or how how he is throughout the process, so you can just kind of prepare yourself for that as well. You know? Right.
0: Or if we can have natural children, right? Are you right? Oh, open to you know adoption or open to other mm-hmm. other ways to become pregnant. And I agree. I think I was talking to a friend, and we were saying, you know, we were always kind of taught to have the have the kid talk right before, mm-hmm. or you know, when you're dating someone seriously, it's like, hey, girl, yes, make sure you talk about <laughs> finances and that's right, and agree on things. But no one ever tells you to ask Mm -hmm. not how many kids do you want but what if as you mentioned we cannot have children or we cannot Mm -hmm. conceive naturally is that Mm -hmm. a breaker for you
1: and it's so funny because my husband um and and then i how however you know woman decides to become a mom that's that's fine but my route I was not open to adoption, mm-hmm. but even my husband was. I just mm-hmm. wanted you know, to bear my own child. Mm-hmm. But um, he was open to that. And that's a really big deal uh, with a partner. Yeah. So I think it's important to have those types of discussions. hard as they may
0: be, it's important.
1: You just don't ever know.
0: Yes. So yes. Okay, going back to your infertility diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So after a couple of years, you have, yes. uh, of course, the, the barrage of tests. And then- mm-hmm. Most people, the goal is to get a concrete answer, right? Yes. That we would love mm-hmm. to find that one thing or whatever it is or, or multiple things that are telling us, okay, why is it mm-hmm. not doing what it's supposed to be doing? But for you, you were diagnosed as unexplained. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. tell us about how that felt, because that would be, I think, one of the most frustrating Diagnoses mm-hmm. because of the fact that literally, as it says, is unexplained. It's not concrete. There's nothing saying I can't do this. So why is this mm-hmm. so? How did that feel, and how did you you cope with with that actual diagnosis?
1: You know, and it's crazy because you because how you how you phrase it because as I still feel it. You said how did it make me feel? I it's still currently how it still makes me feel. Mm-hmm. The reason why I say that is because each month now. I know my body is ovulating and still nothing happens. Mm-hmm. So that diagnosis still currently faces me every, every month. And it's so, so frustrating. I think above all diagnosis, when everything looks okay and it's still not working, that's the worst. Yeah. So just a little bit of a background, because you know, you know, my OBGYN had been trying to get me to see a fertility specialist. So he was really good. He had already done all of my tests like he had done on my basic lab work we had done all types of you know the uh, testing std testing mm-hmm. or we we've, we've done all the ultrasounds my lining everything was okay we've done everything um oh, the thing about it is i would say probably like almost 10 about 10 years ago I had a PC a PCOS diagnosis about 10 years ago mm. but one but one time but it was nothing ever else from that diagnosis it was nothing ever else everything looked fine so I don't really don't even know where that came from or 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 anything because Ever since then, my ultrasound was always normal. All of my um, blood levels were normal, so that was just something that was there. I don't know, maybe it was an error, but everything was 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 normal, right? All of my blood levels were normal. My husband had his semen analyzed. There was nothing wrong there. It was literally nothing um the last step was um during doing the hysterosalpingogram. so we did that mm-hmm. and my tubes were open so my levels were normal okay my ultrasound was normal ovaries looked good lining was perfect hormones were normal and my tubes were open and nothing was wrong with my husband there was literally nothing there mm-hmm. and so he had done all that my OBGYN. so by the time we had gone to the fertility specialist, all that was done. Because when a lot of fertility specialists, they do all of that, right? So he was really good and he had already done all of my primary testing. And so, you know, when we went to the fertility doctor, you know, he was just like, I don't know, you know, this is something that, that happens and we we just don't know. And it's very, very frustrating. And to this day, I, you know, still, I don't know, (laughs) it Uh just, just really just, it really just just frustrates me, yeah. you know, how yeah. it's just uh, my body still doesn't work. So, you know, I just try not to really focus on it. But th- I think, like I said, that like you were saying, that's just the most frustrating part about it. Just kind of not knowing why, yeah. why this happened.
0: Yeah. And so you mm-hmm. made the decision to go, mm-hmm. go IVF. Mm-hmm. And so it was three rounds, right? To get. Yes. You- yeah,
1: mm-hmm. so it was. Cool. It was three rounds. Yes. Yeah. So the first round, it just, uh com- it just failed. It just mm-hmm. didn't work at all. Oh, my gosh. I just remember that call mm-hmm. that, you know, I got. And I just remember when I picked up the phone because the nurses had been calling me throughout the whole process. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, everything looks good. Do this, do that. Um, but then when I got the call and it was him, I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is not good. And then just, just I remember the way his voice sounded mm-hmm. when he told me that it didn't work. And I just remember just going just numb, just completely just numb. Mm-hmm. Because you go from, you know, trying to conceive naturally for years and then just saying, oh, could we? This is gonna work. We have the answer. And then you get that excitement. And then just to be let down, it was just just awful. So yeah. we did that. That failed. And then um, and the thing about it is we are we only said we were gonna do one round. But after it failed we're like, no, 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 no. We gotta do another round. We gotta do another round. Yeah. Do another round. Mm-hmm. So one round turned into two rounds. And so um the second the second time around it took. Mm-hmm. So of course another you know, excitement wave of excitement, another wave of hope. But, um, I immediately started having issues. So then unfortunately I had a second trimester miscarriage, which was the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you know, after, um, you get to the first trimester, you're supposed to be okay. Well, right. you know, the, the odds are in your favor right. in the second trimester, but Ended up losing, um, losing that baby, and found out it was a little girl. Oh. So that was devastating. So of course we we're like, okay, well we gotta do it again. We gotta do it again. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but you know, the third time around, we did do something different. We did um, genetic testing for for this round, mm-hmm. and that really, really helped us. Now, you know, there are studies that show that genetic testing don't help. But my doctor was really, uh, really a proponent for it, And I really think that helped us because it, although I had, Um, I had a large number of eggs that I was able to, they were able to retrieve. But after doing the genetic testing on them, half of them um, were not not good, although they appeared to be that way um, from the outside. So Mm -hmm. I was at risk for them, you know, transferring another egg and then having the same problem Mm -hmm. and then thinking something was further wrong with me. So we did genetic testing for the third round that helped. And, um, yeah, we implanted just one and it was, it was crazy because I wanted two eggs. My husband wanted one egg. I right. said, like, how do you compromise on something like that? Mm-hmm. There is no compromise right. doing two or one, right. Like there's nothing in between. Right. So that was, that was hard. That that was mm-hmm. hard. I think what worked in our favor was the fact that, um, our, uh, fertility doctor really, uh, recommended one because mm-hmm. we knew it was a healthy, a healthy baby. Right. So we did one and it took and yeah, everything turned out okay. In the end, because of course we had our scares for, for this one too. Um, At first we were told that it didn't take and, mm-hmm. and devastation again, but it turned out that it did. This whole process was wait, just, wait, wait, was wait, just wait. crazy. Look, yes.
0: So <laughs> you were told after your, your mm-hmm. wait period that it did not take? Yep.
1: Yes, let me tell you what happened. It was like deja vu. I'm at work. I always get these calls at work, right? I know. I'm at at work. work. (laughs) Yep, I'm at work, and um, I get a call, and the nurse. This time it was the nurse, not the doctor. So I'm, the nurse called me. I'm okay, I'm good. The nurse, I heard the nurse's voice, and then um, she was like, I'm so sorry, Miss McCown. It didn't. you 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 have a positive pregnancy test, but your levels are too low for it to be a viable pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So then of course the whole drama starts and the sadness starts, and I. I just drop everything and run out of my job. Leave work running out of work. This whole dramatic scene is like I did the first time. Right. Um. Yeah. And so you know, then we start the whole process, notifying, notifying our family, and. Mm. Everybody being devastated along with us. So when she um, told me, she's like, okay, well, your levels are low. But, you know, this was right before 4th of July weekend. So she said, okay, well, um, come back in about two days, at, right after 4th of July, and let's see what your levels are. So we went back after the 4th of July, and they went up. And she says, okay, well, Miss McCown, well, they are up a little bit. I don't, I don't want to give you false hope. Come back another, another few days. Went back another few days. They were up they, oh like god. quadruple, had quadruple. And so then she called me back and she was like, Oh, Miss McCal, so it looks like you have a viable pregnancy. I'm like, Well, that's all you're gonna say. It was so like anti climatic from all the drama. <laughs> all the oh drama my thing. god. I know that wow. the, you know that she had calls. Yeah. So it was crazy. I'm and it's still hmm. to this day. I look at my daughter and I say, They say you were not here, but you're right here. You just you're standing right here in front of me. <laughs> But it you're also, right here. You're you right
0: here. here. You you were,
1: you were right still here. coming in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you're right here. Exactly. Oh, so it was a learning experience, you know, that, you know, and I think, um, Think too, and a lot of other groups that I'm in on Facebook, you know, women are very concerned about those first levels that they're getting, but they really mm-hmm. don't mean much because everybody has different mm-hmm. levels, um, and you can't really necessarily go on the norm. So I think that's important too, and that's important too about educating yourself, you know, and and knowing um, knowing kind of the ends the ins and out of the process that everything doesn't always follow you know textbook or way it's supposed to. So that's that's important too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm just taking notes. I'm like, look, wow, <laughs> wow. I mean, I just, yep. like, I mean, it's always an emotional roller coaster, but mm-hmm. that is like textbook mm-hmm. roller coaster. Yeah, it, it mean,
1: really I was a textbook roller coaster. Yeah,
0: right. And I mean, and and then you mm-hmm. are expected, like, so you were at work, and here you mm-hmm. are, kind of, you know to leave and and recompose mm-hmm. yourself and make calls mm-hmm. and and
1: mm-hmm. have your own
0: space to breathe right because yep. mm-hmm. telling everybody else is one thing but then having your own kind of quiet space to grieve and you right. know accept what just happened and then being yep. told, oh no just kidding <laughs> like
1: that's just kidding. that's it. Really, exactly how it was.
0: Oh my
1: goodness. <laughs> that's exactly oh that's it. Really, exactly how it was. I mean, <gasps> we had already told about all of our friends and um our, our mm. family, and then the devastation again. Oh my God! Just thinking about it just was just you know it's a, a nightmare. But hey, God had a yeah. final word, so that's that's what it was. He did. <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah.
0: And on that yeah. note, um, bringing up the big man, so. How were you able cuz faith is tested? I mean, oh yes. Oh, this is this yes. is one of the highest levels I think of faith being tested mm-hmm. is infertility. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and I mean amongst a lot of other things but this is definitely one of the hardest tests I think in in our lives is is this journey. Yes. So how were you able to maintain your faith and was there any point in time in your journey where you literally were angry with God or you had to say the, the why me or, you know, how did your faith journey change or did it change throughout mm-hmm. that part of your life?
1: Yes. Um. So it's a loaded question was, you know, I, I really feel. Without my faith and the relationship with God, I would have crumbled long, long time ago, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I really had to believe that God's will for me and my husband was better than I ever imagined. I had to believe that. Um, I actually mm-hmm. drew closer to God Um through this process, because I I had to just just lean in and and draw into the word, you know I meditated on verses um, about having children, about bearing children. I meditated on verses mm-hmm. in the Bible that um, spoke about not having miscarriages. Um, I really I, I had to just trust him and get in get in the word and just really really believe um that this was gonna happen um i mean i definitely felt why me throughout the whole process but you know i never really oh i never doubted that it wasn't gonna happen because i really believed even though even though it looked like it wasn't i believe god's word and i really meditated on his on his on his word that it that it would happen and you know and it really him, it strengthened me in my relationship with him and further, you know, in, in, in years to come, it's it still strengthened my relationship with God, just getting, getting through that. And, you know, one thing too, especially in, um, the African-American community, uh, when it comes to not only for infert- infertility, but just, um, medical conditions in general, I think culturally we're just mm-hmm. taught just to pray about it, you know. Trust God; right. it's gonna happen. with it's gonna, it's gonna happen in His timing, which it is. It will happen in in His timing. In this timing, we do trust God, but that doesn't mean that you don't do medical intervention. So I think faith as well was, uh, my faith was, it was a challenge in that aspect. You know, when people, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. when we told people that maybe we were going through IVF or considering IVF, well, it's just God's timing. Just, just wait on the Lord, you know? So that was, that was a struggle, you know, Um, waiting on the Lord per se versus seeing infertility doctors. So that was one struggle that, that, that I have, but I really just believe that, God heals us in different ways, whether it's naturally or whether it's through a medical intervention. And I think maybe I feel that way as a medical provider, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, we, we have these interventions that are made to heal us and God works through doctors and he works through nurses. He works through med- modern yes. medicine, mm-hmm. modern medicine. So mm-hmm. that was, that was important. So faith played a role in that as well. Because I think a lot of women, African American women, they have guilt in that. Um, yes. and, and they have guilt in seeking treatment because they, they feel like they're, they're failing in, 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 mm-hmm. in that, and 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 that they're not trusting God. So, um. For me, I like I said, I think uh, my relationship with him is strengthened. It helped me and my husband uh, pray together and study the Word together. And you know, I think the lowest point for me was not necessarily the failed transfer, but was for the miscarriage. Mm-hmm. I had to really believe that we had that we had not made it this far, and then miscarried for us not to have a child. So I think right, right then at that moment. That's when I had to be the strongest. I'm like, Lord, how? Why? Like how did we go through IVF, fail the first time? Why, God, did you allow me to get pregnant and then lose this this child? You know, I still don't I still don't know why it happened. And I mean and right. it's not our job to question God, you know? So um that was a, a tough a tough time for me. But again, I just believe that no matter what it seemed like, that it was already done. That's why I kept telling myself, it's already done. And it was so.
0: Yes, I love it. Um, so getting to mom life and yes. Coco Baby Love, let's talk about it. Let's yes. talk about so how have things been as a mom of a toddler and having oh, Coco Baby Love LLC? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about oh. what it's like just to look at her every single day and and know where you started oh, and where you are. Like, what has that been like?
1: It's unbelievable. It's literally unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, our lives can just change just so much in one year. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's crazy that, that I started with not even being able a being able to conceive to now have a brand that was inspired by my child, and I never even thought anything like that would happen. Because to be honest with you, I never really saw myself as an entrepreneur per se. I've always been innovative. I've always been a creative, but I never really saw myself in in owning, you know, something like this. But after my mm-hmm. journey to motherhood and the type of mother that I am, I was really inspired to create this brand because of her. The name is from her. She's my baby love. So the name is Coco Baby Love is after (laughs) her. Uh, So um, I because because, um, it was so hard for me to conceive her once I finally had her, I, I just, mothers, all mothers take care with their children, but I think for me, I was just really focused on um, making sure she had the best everything. Again, m- all mothers do this. But I think because of the loss that I had, the struggle that I had, I think I was, yeah. you know, I w- it was just a different take for me. So it, that mm-hmm. uh, that has affected the type of products that I carry um, and things of that nature. So it's, it's definitely... Um, been a dream that's come true once I had her. But it's hard because, you know, I, I want to give everything to her as far as my time. And it's hard to uh, run a business and, you know, be there present for for your children and for your husband, but um, there's nothing above above her. And I don't want anything to ever get in the way of that. So I really have to make a conscious effort to work on the business and actually be the best mom that she deserves. So it's uh, been a challenge, but it's been a blessing in itself.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you have high-end luxury brand, infant and toddler yes. products. And I love it because, and apparel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it because it really is representing African American infants and toddlers, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I think you know for yes. all the moms, as you mentioned, who are looking for the best of the best uh, for yes. their brown babies, I just I love yes. to see it, and I, I I can't wait to just buy something off the when my, time comes <laughs> when my time comes. I'm coming to the website, and I am. Yes. going <laughs> yes. thank
1: you. Oh, hello. No, I, I receive oh. it. Yes, I it do. I
0: absolutely receive it. <laughs> So um, we've talked about a lot. Um, And so at at this point, what are the final thoughts? What are the final things that you want our audience to be left with um, when it comes to knowing who you are and and, and knowing things about the journey?
1: Well, I would first say that anybody who is not only experiencing it, but think they may have a problem to seek. To seek care early on. You know, I think it's important to not necessarily. Um, you know, keep struggling if there's help, and I think the earlier uh, people try to see what their problem is, the the better. Earlier, the earlier, the better. The more they can know what their options are, and mm-hmm. I think it's important for people to know that they're if they are experiencing this, that they're not alone. I mean, because we felt so alone throughout the, through the process, but there are many people that are that are going mm-hmm. through this. I think that's mm-hmm. important for others to know that. They are not alone on the journey. This is something, um, IVF and and surrogacy and adoptions are things that we as an African-American community do do. So it's important that... um, That people realize that and and not, you know, getting caught up in the judgments that um, that they think may think they receive because everybody deserves, you know, a, a shot at motherhood or fatherhood if that's what they desire and not to be influenced by other outside mm-hmm. um, people on their journey. So, yeah, and just keep going and not to give up, all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, I just wouldn't really <laughs> encourage people to just stay encouraged. And I'm really just, I can't stress enough that people don't know where their life is going to be just a year from now. You know what I mean? So just whatever your people's situation Mm -hmm. looks like right now, I mean, it could be different next month, you know? So just persevere, Mm -hmm. keep going and and really just, just not giving up.
0: I love it. Thank you so much. And so yes. how can people find you? Where are you on social? Plug all of your, your handles and, yes. and all of that good stuff.
1: Yes. So I'm going to back up a little bit. Um, so my brand yes. Coco Baby Love actually is going to be officially launching next month. So Coco Baby Love is a platform Um for infertility and for encouragement and support for African American women, but it also is a product line. So the product line will be launching next month in January. I cannot wait for everyone to see um, all the products and the hard work I've been putting into, and I really think it's going to really make strides in bringing awareness. I'm super, super excited about that. And, um, so the website is launching along with the product line next month. So, um, stay tuned for that. But for now I can be reached on Instagram and Facebook at Cocoa Baby Love, follow me and let's interact and, and, and just, learn about the process and just connect.
0: Absolutely. Well, I cannot thank you enough once again for hopping in with us, sharing your amazing, um, difficult, but amazing journey uh, to motherhood. And we wish you all the best success uh, prayerfully that you are able to once again, bring life into this world. um, If that is what is in God's plan um, and next for you, but looking out for the new product line. I'm super excited (laughs) to see all the good things and all the goodies and all the the things that just make mom feel like, you know, she is, she is that girl. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm so excited. Um, Especially after the struggle, especially after the struggle, we deserve to really feel good and and to celebrate our children. That's really what the brand is about. Feeling good as a mom and celebrating our children.
0: I love it. Well, thank you so much for hopping in today. Thank and you we look so forward to all the new things. Yes,
1: I'm so excited.
0: So again, Penelope, thank you for owning your story, for telling your story, for being a beacon of of faith and just that that continued hopefulness that. You know, this journey can have positive outcomes um, no matter the road, no matter how long, no matter the losses that, you know, there still can be light at the end of this crazy, crazy tunnel. So, you know, I'm going to give you a couple takeaways and I know you have your own, but my, my top ones were, were these number one, know where you stand on the different options to become a parent. So Penelope talked about how she knew that adoption was not, you know, what she wanted to do. And I think we have to champion the fact that, you know, everyone has different paths to get there and no matter what the path, as she mentioned, it's totally up to you. Those are life-altering decisions and one is not easier than the other. People love throwing out, "Oh, just adopt," you know, "Oh, have you looked into that?" Like these are not easy decisions. They're also never guarantees. There's lots that go into that. So, I think just owning where you are and owning, you know, what is okay for you or what is a boundary for you or, you know, whatever it is 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 absolutely okay and not to feel ashamed or guilty or judged for knowing where you stand on the different options. So that was one. Uh, Number two, seeking care early on. I'm glad she mentioned this and I'm glad she talked about, you know, her her internal struggle with going to see a specialist because, you know, it was just, it's devastating to feel like, You know, you're one out of control. Your body's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. You know, nothing medically is stopping you from getting these things done. And, you know, it it delayed her going to see somebody. Um, And so, you know, know your options, get educated, but don't keep struggling. If you have a thought, if it has crossed your mind at any point in time, like talk to your doctors, talk to your care team, find a specialist and just see what's going on right? Like don't keep struggling, see what's happening and and move forward with more information than you had when you started, you know, that conversation of those questions. Okay. And number three, you are not alone. And I know we say this in like every episode and it may seem like, well, duh, we know that. That's why we're here. But regardless, I think no matter how many times we say it and that we know it to be true and we see the stats and the facts and, and, and all of those things, when it first hits you, you still, I think a lot of times, feel alone. I mean, you feel like you may not know anyone else who's going through it personally. um, And it still may feel isolating at times. You know, even myself, like I know that, I know for sure that I'm not alone and I have support and all those things, but there are still moments that it feels isolating And so, you know, she mentioned don't get caught up in in judgments and outside people, you know, on this journey and keep that in mind as well, because everyone's going to have an opinion or a thought if they know what's going on. You know, she mentioned getting, you know, questions or judgment from people in the church, for example, or friends when they decide to do IVF. Guess what? Not their business, not their decision. So keeping that in mind, because, you know, different people, friends, family, whoever may have opinions on what's happening, but it is not their business. And we know that to be true. So. Thank you again, Penelope. We wish you nothing but success. Make sure you check her out on social media and check out Coco Baby Love LLC on the web. Buy some of her amazing products for yourself or for someone else as a gift and keep her lifted up as we keep all of our guests lifted up as they go through whatever is next for them. So it's already done, y'all. That's all I have to say in this episode. This is the beginning of National Infertility Awareness Week. So I am planning on doing a bonus episode uh, to give y'all an update on where we are. Me, my husband, where we're at, what we're doing. Uh, Because it's been a little while. So I'm going to give y'all updates. So keep that in mind. Celebrate this week. Uh, Share with somebody else who may not know about it. And as always, I am your forever friend in fertility. Until next time, stay hopeful.